There are no pressing announcements other than you know we're going to be gone and the Lord's Supper is coming. So please keep us in prayer on the long travel. We have the call to worship. Praise ye the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him for his mighty acts, praise him according to his excellent greatness, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord, praise ye the Lord. Bow hearts and heads, a sign of preparation for worship. Let us stand and sing Psalm 107a, 107a. We're not singing 13 verses. 1 through 5.
victory, a triumph, deliverance for your people, Lord. You power of the enemies of your kingdom. So thankful God that we who were your enemies and you're brought to by your grace. And you change by your spirit. We have to see grow thereby by your grace and saving grace. Amen. May be seated. We have him one six zero.
Amen. Let us pray. This evening, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we come before you, God. We come with hearts bowed down, hearts, Lord, enriched by your love and mercy upon us as we read and hear your word and sing praises before you, God. We ask in particular, Lord, that you would be with us this week, uh, that we would take one day at a time, take stock of our strengths and abilities, that we would exercise such things, Lord, such blessings you've given us, Lord, for your glory and for the good of each other and to do our duties before you, God, and to persevere. We pray in particular, God, for work situations, for uh, some of us have companies where situations we find ourselves in, we desire, God, uh, better pay, better hours, uh, helpful co-workers, Lord, uh, stability in the job instead of hot and cold and uncertainty. We ask, God, for our perseverance therein, uh, to work as unto you, Lord, to overcome uh, grumbling and complaining, God, we ask, Lord, that we would be wise and uh, know our limitations and work accordingly. Perhaps, God, uh, we ask, Lord, that we would perhaps find a new job if need be. But always, God, to have your wisdom, to understand our situation, and to do what we can and accept what we cannot change, Lord, in your providence. We're thankful that we are employed, that we have work, God, especially in this economy where prices are so high in many regards. Inflation still keeps chugging along. And so, God, we ask for wisdom in our work, wisdom with the pay that we get, so to use it right, Lord, uh, to invest it, uh, to save it up for a rainy day, Lord, and certainly to use it uh, for the things that we need to pay for. We ask, God, to have continued access to such funds and to such good jobs. Our Lord and Savior, we pray for ourselves the various situations we find ourselves in life, Lord. Some of us are relatively rich and others are relatively poor compared to each other. Some of us are younger, some of us are older. Some of us have more uh, ability and experience in life or as a Christian. Uh, and others have less. And we pray and ask God that we would help one another, we would come alongside one another, Lord, as we are called, uh, not to look down upon each other, but to esteem uh, one another as brothers and sisters in the Lord as mothers and fathers, as sons and daughters, God, as members of the household of faith. And so, Lord, to have our abilities and providential advantages that we have, God, not to beat ourselves over our heads with it, which is what the world seems to push in society, God, that something's inherently wrong if you have an advantage. Rather, Lord, to be thankful and to use that advantage for your glory, for those near us, God, for our families, for our friends, for our church, for those in need in particular in our church, God, for the poor, for those who have little experience and need more instruction and protection, God, that we could, as we are able and as we have the proper relationship, and give our abilities and give that which we are stewards of for one another. We pray that we continue to draw nigh unto one another in communion, Lord, as we heard about in Sunday school class, God, that we are the communion community of the communion of the saints, and that, Lord, we try to take care of one another as a church. We pray this will continue, God, and we will grow in love for one another, and understanding and helpfulness, God, to certainly pray and to be aware of what is needful, and that, God, we can do what we can again uh, to show love for one another, and that the world may know that we love one another. We also pray for our outreach to the world, God, an outreach based upon, again, your word and obedience to your law and our callings in life, God, to be a good neighbor, to be a good husband or wife, a, a child, a student, a member of society, 
uh, that the world may see that we take seriously your law and your commandments for us, and also your gospel, Lord, to be able to give an answer of the hope that is within us as opportunity arises, God, uh, not to think that we have to be somehow uh, special, specially gifted or eloquent, but rather, Lord, to have a simple Bible verse, to have a simple explanation of the call of repentance and of the grace of Jesus Christ, our own testimony often, God. And may that be fruitful in your providence, we pray, and your special providence in our lives, God, that we could be useful and continue to be useful as an outreach as best we can, God. Give us wisdom as a church, as individuals, and as families. In this regard, we pray. May we continue to be a faithful church to you, God, as much as we feel at times we have fallen, that we are unfaithful and inconsistent in various and sundry ways, sometimes ways we don't fully understand as a church. May your Spirit work in us so that we continue to see such things and overcome these difficulties and these shortcomings in our life, God, to be more faithful to you, we pray. Be with us this evening. Open our hearts and our ears and our minds to the preaching of your word that we may grow thereby. Amen. Ties and offerings, please. able to give these tithes and offerings, God Almighty. And we are thankful, Lord, that they are continuing to be used, and we pray that they would continue to be used for your glory and for the good of your saints. We ask for continued wisdom in the use of them, Lord, for the session, God, and for those involved in the monies. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Proverbs chapter 2. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 2. I know I said I'm not going to go chapter by chapter. I'm not going chapter by chapter. Uh, but uh, as I analyze things ahead of time, um, turns out chapter 2, in my estimation, is one idea. We're doing the entire chapter, which is almost unheard of, but it's really one idea. I think you're going to agree with me, although uh, some people have it slightly split up differently. Proverbs chapter 2, let us listen attentively to the Word of God. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth. 
comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the path of justice. He preserves the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you. Understanding will keep you to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perversity of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and who are devious in their paths, to deliver you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters her with words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God, For her house leads down to death and her paths to the dead. None who go to her return, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you may walk in the way of goodness and keep to the paths of righteousness, for the upright will dwell in the land, and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the earth, and the unfaithful will be uprooted from it. Let us pray. Lord and Savior, Almighty, we're thankful for the Proverbs. We're thankful for this collection by Solomon of many wise things given in a very memorable way and form, Lord, in the form of a proverb uh, to capture our attention with vivid imagery and stark language, God, so that we may have it written on our hearts, the importance of pursuing and seeking wisdom and retaining it and fleeing from the consequences of ignoring wisdom of living a wicked life. So we see a contrast here, God, of what we are called to do and what we should flee from. Help us, we pray, God, that we may live accordingly. In your name alone we pray. Amen. And so here, as you heard in the prayer, uh, I have the division here, verses 1 through 8, and then verses 9 through following. And uh, although you uh, cannot um, read the Hebrew... You have to believe me when I say in verses 9 and elsewhere, you have, unfortunately, English is not consistent. I think it's verse 20. The word then. Just like in English, then. This is a consequence. It's explaining. And so in the first eight verses, he's describing, this is the goal. You ought to seek out and strive and desire wisdom and knowledge and understanding and discernment and discretion so that then you can understand righteousness, equity, and every good path, and thus be protected from the ways of the wicked, be protected from the ways of the wicked woman, and then you may walk in all goodness, verse 20, and keep to the paths of righteousness. That's the connection. The contrast there, which is a common proverbial description of things in life. We'll talk a little bit about So the first point, seek wisdom to get fear and knowledge of God. To seek wisdom, that's the verb, that's the action. Or he actually starts out with receive, which is more of a passive word, but he doesn't keep that, right? He's supposed to incline your ear, that's active. Apply yourself, crying out, lift up your voice, seek, verse 4, and search. Right. All these, again, right, as they are in the poetic Hebrew and here in the Proverbs, synonyms, saying the same thing. Get it. Get wisdom. Get truth. Get justice is what we're going to find out in verse 9. And equity in every good path. Or here, get fear and knowledge of God. So we're called to treasure wisdom. 
Now, when he calls him out here, my son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, incline your ear and the like, saying the same thing in various and sundry ways, I don't think he's calling his commitment to God in doubt. I don't think he's saying, are you really, really, really seeking wisdom? Sometimes you can read the uh, Proverbs this way. It's here to be emphatic. It's here for a young man, that's the word there, of the son, throughout the Proverbs often. And as we know, young, the youth need a lot of repetition, a lot of pay attention and listen. It's not always, I don't think you're really a Christian, but I know you're not paying attention. You're growing, you get distracted, you have lots of energy, etc., whatever the reason is. And this is one way it gets your attention is by repetition, repetition, repetition. And we have that here uh, in, these, in this Proverbs in chapter 2. And so we should not read this unless, of course, you have no wisdom and really don't have a desire to seek after God. And you probably need this reminder. But for all, all of us here, I believe, that this is just a reminder to persevere. It is not uh, a roundabout way to say, are you really, really saved? And thus cast doubt upon you. But rather to emphasize the importance, to highlight the significance of a life in which you are seeking out truth and wisdom and discernment. In whatever endeavor in life, of course, but ultimately, and especially in the moral endeavors of life, and above all, in following Jesus Christ and his gospel, which is the height of living. And so the contrast then again with the young people, and perhaps most of us, of temptation around us to seek out treasures, to seek out silver, verse 4, we talked about that in chapter 1, for example, in which we are urged rather to seek out wisdom as though it were silver. We put emphasis, we put uh, treasure, significance upon silver and gold, and that's fine insofar as you need silver and gold, you need money, you need possessions to some degree to get by in life. That's true. But here we, of course, see the fact that, hey, you put emphasis on silver and treasures, yes, but put more on wisdom. And that's especially true. And so here, instead of seeking out gold in contrast to wisdom, we ought to seek out wisdom if we're going to uh, have that temptation with gold. Which is to say, the absolutist language here is again used to highlight the moral contrast And we see this again elsewhere in Proverbs. Proverbs 8.10, Receive my instruction and not silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. Is he saying, if someone comes up to you and gives you silver, you should say, I don't want your silver, buddy. No. It's an absolutist language in a proverb, right, a poetic language, to highlight and to give you contrast of how wisdom, at the end of the day, when all is said and done, it is better to have wisdom than gold if gold leads you to hell. And it does, if it doesn't have Christ Jesus, it doesn't have wisdom. 22, verse 1. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, loving favor rather than silver and gold. If you had to make a choice, is another way of saying it, like we like to talk to one another once in a while, if you had to choose between, you know, living here or eating this and staying there or living in Texas and, you know, preferring the cold over the winter, hot over the... Over the winter, the summer, over the cold, whatever, right? We always ask those questions. Here, it's if you had to choose between riches and a good name, it's better to have a good name, and that is true. So the Proverbs are true in that sense, but often in life, do we have to make that stark choice? Can you not have a good name and good money? I think Abraham had a good name and got lots of money. He was very rich. 
So again, this is a reminder of how to understand and interpret and apply the Proverbs. And so here when he says, to seek her as silver and, seek, and to search for wisdom as hidden treasures is not this idea that you can never go after gold or treasures, but rather the intensity and the importance of godly instruction, of a life of wisdom and discernment. And again, for the youth to capture their attention and their imagination. It's a form, I suppose, you could say of hyperbole. Remember what hyperbole is? Again, that uh, literary form of emphasis, uh, of exaggeration for effect. Right? So here you have an exaggeration of absolutist language for the effect of highlighting the importance of a good name, of the moral law of God. And it is important. It's very important. He says, receive my... Uh, receive my wisdom, receive the words of God. More precisely, we know what he's talking about at the end of the day. Uh, the many different words here uh, are treasure as a verb, apply, cry out, lift up, seek, search. <laughs> and uh, except for the case of receiving, although you could take it that way, of course, receiving is going to open your heart to the truth. All of them have the idea of activity, right? You've got to pursue wisdom. It doesn't just fall in your lap, typically and parts of life, and much of what we do. We're supposed to, as it says, uh, which verse is that? Verse 2b. Apply your heart to understanding. It takes effort. It takes vigilance, right? It takes sobriety, as we heard this morning, uh, to fight against the devil. And part of that wisdom teaches us and arms us against the devil. To get understanding, he says here, understanding yourself, understanding the world, understanding the devil, perhaps, understanding God. Again, one of the greatness of the Proverbs is so general, it covers all kinds of instruction, all kinds of truth that we need in life. But again, especially the moral truth, the Ten Commandments, which is a summary thereof. Verses 1 through 4, in other words, emphasizes the effort uh, to gain wisdom, instruction, knowledge, understanding, discernment, right? To distinguish right from wrong. And to, therefore, what? Apply it in our lives. To apply your heart to understanding that you would apply it to life and live it accordingly. And it, it affects all of you, of course. That is all of your faculties of your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. It is not just uh, the intent, but actually the effort as well to read your Bible, to pray, to seek out instruction from the church and from one another as well, as I've said before, and I'll say it again. I don't have all wisdom. Uh, a lot of you have different kinds of wisdom I don't have and different experiences I don't have that you can instruct others and they can learn thereby. And so these opening verses are a good reminder for children to young adults to put the right focus in life and not seek out the treasures of this world so much that you forget the greatest treasure, which is the wisdom of Christ and salvation and his law and sanctification. Fear and knowledge of God, verses 6 through 8. If you seek her as silver, we read in verse 4, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. should be verse 5. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find knowledge of God. If you seek it out, God will bless you. If you uh, seek, you will find. If you will knock, it will be open unto you, Christ says. This is the same idea. He stores up Sound wisdom, verse 7, for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the path of justice and preserves the way of his saints. And so, seeking this out, and then, then, right, there's that word there, then, like in English, you will understand the fear of the Lord. And then you will understand and grow thereby. To understand the fear of the Lord, the fear of God, of course, is a major theme. I've talked about it before. I won't highlight it now. 
And of course, the knowledge of God. What's another fancy word for the knowledge of God? Theology. The study of God. Biology, the study or the knowledge of life. My daughter's learning biology right now. She likes a lot of it except for the chapter on the spiders. To seek out the wisdom of the Bible, that we would have more knowledge of God, of his love for us, of his law for us, of his commands and direction in our life, of his attributes, of who he is, and how he exercises all that he is for our good in different and sundry ways. We see, especially the application and source of this in verse 9, righteousness, justice, equity, and every good path. Again, uh, another theme in Proverbs. To gain wisdom so that you can exercise, in verse 9, justice and righteousness and equity. A big theme, of course, in America. The law of God, in other words. How to live like a Christian. How to be fair to one another. And the source of this, for the Lord God gives wisdom. Verse 6, you seek it out, God will give it to you. And of course, in seeking it out is already itself a form of wisdom, isn't it? It's only because God, the Spirit, has moved in your hearts and your life that you're born again and you have this drive to love God and to do the right thing. And part of the right thing, of course, is to get this wisdom, to get this application of God's law and get this understanding. And God is the source of that and the source of the greater blessing upon that initial blessing of desiring these things. To seek and climb our ears to apply wisdom, we need to ask God to pray for it and to work towards that end. For he is the source of every good thing for, for us we, and are thankful for that. The fruit of seeking him, verses 7 to 8, he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the path of justice. He preserves the way of the saints. And so here we read the particulars of what the wisdom gives us, protects us. God protects us with the wisdom and the knowledge of his law. A shield to those who walk uprightly. It guards our path. It preserves us from wickedness around us. In seeking godly wisdom, we receive protection of the body from the obvious harms like avoiding dangers, bodily harm, uh, dangerous highways and hikings and bikings and don't walk across the street in the middle of the rush hour. Things like that. It is wisdom. People do stupid things. And I think a lot of us have heard of the Darwin Awards. They're usually men because they think they want to do manly things and sometimes they're very stupid things. Not very wise. Of the soul, of course, which is less obvious, but lies and heresies damn the soul and therefore the body as well. And thus they are more dangerous than bodily harm. And this blends in that's why I have it divided this way, to the next section, verses 11 through 12, where we read that discretion will preserve you and understanding will keep you. Right? It will preserve and keep you, verses 9 through 22. And it describes there what it protects you from, from the foolish and from the foolish men and the wicked and from the foolish woman in particular. There are two types of protections there, but of course all kinds of protections that we'll see as well. Wisdom yields justice, verses 9 through 10. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity in every good path. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul instead of repulsive as it is to the world. 
Wisdom is repulsive to the world. And again, I don't have to give too many illustrations to see that in politics and society, uh, Disney and Hollywood and everything else, and how much they hate wisdom and desire wickedness and stupidity, rank stupidity, and the kind of lifestyles they promote. This justice, of course, is a cry of society. When we seek wisdom, we get justice. We get protection from seeking out that wisdom as well. Society wants this, but it doesn't want it from a sincere heart. They want the protection of God's wisdom, but they don't want God's wisdom. They just want the protection. They don't want, in other words, the fruits of their bad actions upon them. Boomeranging and falling into their own traps. And yet it happens all the time. So they cry out for justice. And unfortunately, Christians kind of fall for that. Oh, see, they really want justice. Christians ought to give it to them. It's insincere. It's often insincere. They don't want the real kind of justice the Bible describes and declares. It's a deceptive cry, and it twists justice and equity. It is Christians, above all, that should stand for public justice. And to realize that God has given us the tools in his word and open our hearts to these things. Now, these words here, righteous, justice, and equity, are overlapping in a lot of degrees, although they are technically different terms, and used elsewhere in the Bible in the more didactic or teaching passages. They may have more technical usages like righteousness, for example. But here, again, in the Proverbs, because it's poetry, it's mostly a synonym. They're just overlapping, heaping descriptive words upon descriptive words to emphasize this idea of equity or justice, what is fair, often in a judicial sense. Right, uh, Righteousness, what is upright as measured by the law of God. Equity, which is another parallel word for justice often, almost a synonym in a, in a proper way uh, here. And it's not the same as the word you hear of equity in progressive circles. <laughs> this translation was done way before then. So I'll use the word justice. The justice between men and men, uh, the right results of doing the right thing, giving the right uh, reaction and the like. Uh, morally and correctly. And every good path, of course, is also described here to cover every other way you can describe what is good and righteous and holy and just in society. The wisdom from above teaches us in our dealings to be fair, even to our own hurt. That is justice when we make a vow, as we read in Psalm 15, and to be fair to one another. That's what we are called to do. And so, as you know, I preached on that through Micah. In my sermon series on Micah, you can go back over that if you forgot it. Now we go over the protection in particular, verses 11 to 22. Discretion will preserve you, understanding will what? Keep you, guard you, watch over you, to deliver you from the way of the evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of unrighteousness. So verses um, 12b uh, through 17, 16. Uh, talk about wicked men in general, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil, whose ways are crooked, to deliver you, verse 16, a new topic from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. And so here he's giving two descriptions of what you're protected from. What You seek out this wisdom, you desire instruction and discernment, and God gives it to you, and so you understand righteousness and justice, and this protects you and guards you from wicked people who live a wicked lifestyle in general. And then verse 16, he gets more specific. And I think, as the we all know, when it's young men, you have to be specific there, and it is specific there with respect to young men and the temptations they have. So it's from all kinds of wickedness, of course. It's quite a list here. I have. They speak perverse things. 
They have a path of unrighteousness or a way of darkness. They have devious paths. They rejoice in doing evil. All kinds and various and sundry ways that there is wickedness out there and justice and God's wisdom protects us from that. Protects us from that lifestyle, that way of living, that way of, well, not living, of destroying yourself in slow motion. It's what they are doing. And God is good to us and has given us his law and his wisdom so that we can be protected from every way of the evil one who speaks perverse things and walks in the way of darkness, whose ways are crooked and perverse and devious in their paths. And it leads, as we read here at the end of verse 22, but the wicked will be cut off from the earth and the unfaithful will be uprooted from it. It's a warning. At the same time, it's an encouragement that you seek out this wisdom, young people, all of us, and God will preserve you from a life of unfaithfulness and being uprooted and destroyed ultimately and sent to hell. It is important and good and has its place in the Christian life to warn one another, especially the youth, by pointing out how bad those lifestyles are. It leads to destruction. This is what they are. We don't take them at their word. We take them at the word of the Bible, which says, you're not a believer. This is the kind of life you have. It may be different kinds of sins in this list. That's true. Maybe they're very upright and have spoken the word, the truth all the time, but in their hearts they're just full of wickedness and dead men's bones, just like the Pharisees. Whatever the particular sins is, we believe the word of God, that they are unbelievers on their way to hell, and we ought not to go down that path. Wisdom protects us from that. Because the wisdom of God, the wisdom from above, points us to the Bible, which warns us this pathway is destructive. In verse 16 through 19, a little more particular, as you see there, to deliver you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words, and the like. What's interesting in the Proverbs is that the adulterous woman are not painted in a good light as they are in society, right? You never hear the word adulterous woman in society. You just hear a free woman, or she's, she's a liberated woman, or she's just a woman woman, or whatever. I haven't watched the movies and shows like that in a long time. I don't even know what descriptives they use anymore. They destroy families, and it's okay. They just show it as a fun time, and everything works out just right. Rather, the proverb paints her as a wily seductress. Read that carefully. She is not described as she is in society, and unfortunately, even in the church at times, as somehow someone who does not have moral agency. She can't help it. She's got to make money. So she sells herself on the streets. I've heard that. You can see that in the media. They talk that way. They changed some laws in California. I mentioned this a year ago on that matter to make it easier to do that for teenagers because, hey, they need money. They can't help themselves. It's circumstances. You see that? That's how it is. But if it's a man who does it, what do you get? Oh, you get the Me Too movement. Remember that? And what do you notice in the Me Too movement? It's always the men. Now, it's true. A lot of men are predators in those particular cases. That's true. But a lot of those women, I don't know how many, too many I suspect, especially because a lot of it was Hollywood, right? You dig into that, and women knew what they were getting into. And some of them probably flaunted their stuff so they can get higher up the chain and get a better show. Let's not be naive, brothers and sisters. 
This happens. They have moral agency, and they are also wicked. The Proverbs does not describe them as passive. It's quite interesting. Go through those chapters as you read here. Chapter 5 is another one. Is the more, or, uh, is it 5 or 4 uh, that mentions this? It's 5. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding. Um, that you may preserve from discretion, that your lips may keep knowledge for the lips of an immoral woman drip honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil, but in the end she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. And unfortunately, in society, it's okay, and uh, I don't think anybody knows this but three or four of you, but you know, TikTok and OnlyFans and all that, a lot of women selling themselves on social media. Stay away from them. For her house leads to death and her path to the dead. Wisdom leads to the path of goodness instead, verses 20 to 22. So you may walk in the way of goodness and keep to the paths of righteousness. So it starts out, now you can see why it's one chapter and one idea unpacked and unfolded. Seek out wisdom and you'll be protected. You'll understand righteousness and judgment. Therefore, you'll be Delivered in particular from the path of darkness and those who rejoice in iniquity and be to, to be delivered from the immoral wo- woman and rather have the way of goodness and keep the path of righteousness for the upright will dwell in the land. And instead, those who do not seek wisdom, they live in a moral life and care nothing for Christ and his word. They will be cut off and the unfaithful will be uprooted from the earth forever and ever is the obvious implication. And when they say the good, the righteous, verse 21 will dwell in the land, and the blameless will remain in it. As you recall that the land of Palestine is a picture of heaven, and then that reminds us it's a promise of the new heaven and the new earth, where, wherein wisdom and justice shall inherit the earth, and it shall be across the face of the earth, as waters across the face of the earth, as the floods of old, but the flood of righteousness, while those who hate God and his law will be cut off and cast aside forever and ever. Keep treasuring, brothers and sisters, the word of our Lord and Savior. Pray for discernment and understanding and seek her as silver and gold. And God will protect you from the temptations of life. Let us pray. We thank you for these words, God, and this call of a Christian holy life. The language of the Old Testament, but a very graphic and helpful way of looking at the world, God. Help us, Lord, to persevere in desiring to do the right thing desiring discernment and wisdom, God, and live such a life, and to see the world around us, God, that hates that wisdom as we see it destroy itself slowly, God. Our hearts go out to them, certainly, Lord, but may we be protected and help, Lord, we pray, the church to be pure. In your name alone we pray, amen. Let us stand and sing hymn 475, 475.
And the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Mm-hmm.